So if we're recording now, so you know, from now on anything, anything could go in. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. This episode was recorded around a year ago, but it seems very relevant to something that I'm doing now, really, the kinds of things that we're talking about. I'm making a show called What About the Men? Mansplaining Masculinity about my life, really, I guess, and about what it's been to be a man going through my life. As part of that, I did a survey of 1,000 men to find out about their experience of the process of being a man, how they've been hurt by the way men are expected to be, and how they may have hurt other people through the way that men are expected to be. So you can find that survey and blogs about it and all sorts of extra stuff over at www.mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk. And those surveys, just like today's episode, do touch on things like violence and hierarchies and bullying. In particular, something that you might want to be aware of with today's episode is it does involve a description of quite a violent act happening to an animal. So if that's going to disturb you, be prepared for that. And there's lots of fighting and stuff like that, which is not to say that the conversation doesn't have its light moments and it's generally a very charming and enjoyable summer afternoon that I spent recording this conversation with Stephen. So I just basically picked up this, they were building a kiln and I picked up this sort of brick. I mean, I've never killed, I've never killed a hamster before, let alone a dog. It's possibly the worst mercy killing in the history of mercy killings. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better, better acquainted with you. Today, we're getting better acquainted with Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Dave. How are you doing? I'm all right, mate. Uh, we're in London Fields on a sunny day. And quiet as well, which yeah. makes a nice change. Yeah. So, that, so that's the background sounds we've got. We've got a gentleman on his phone. We've got some bikes and some planes and all of that stuff to give us the yeah give us the ambience usefully the gentleman seems to be talking in a a different language which will only distract some some listeners (laughs) uh when you when you're near somebody who's uh talking in in, in english it can be like two competing narratives one who i haven't got permission uh to broadcast so that's always a bit nerve-wracking first question that i ask everybody is how do you know me i know you through spark storytelling i suppose which i originally went to in uh brixton uh, and went there, yeah, just happened to go there when I lived in the area. And obviously moved right around the corner to uh, Hackney, which you were then sort of curating, uh, oh, yeah. comparing. Yeah, that's so right. So that is, yeah, that's how we know each other, really. And got to know quite a few people through that, actually. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah, yeah, so you've sort of, yeah, you've you've lived in both the, sp- the, spark, yeah. the spark open mic locations. I've been within, well, ten minutes or so, five or ten minutes of both places. And uh, yeah, you haven't you haven't got the traditional London accent, but then there isn't a traditional London accent. There isn't, is there? No, uh, it's not a southern accent either, though. But it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mix accent, really. I suppose it's become. But, yeah, they um, do that accent. Yeah, they? yeah, <laughs> mingle about. But I'm from uh, I'm from Middlesbrough, yeah. originally, which is uh, I suppose what you call <laughs> a post-industrial well town, but it's it's. <laughs> It's the arsehole of the world. No, it's not. It's, I, I do love it, but it's it's certainly an unusual upbringing coming from somewhere that 
is quite renowned for being just basically sort of quite decayed. But, <laughs> but actually, it's, it's another reason why I quite like it around here. I like Hackney because because it's the same thing. Even though around uh, Hackney Wick, even though it's kind of very different, it's got this sort of problem of, of what happens after industry and it's all still there you don't always see it but if you kind of move around and under the arches and especially towards Hackney Wick it's a, right. it's a similar sort of vibe basically yeah for sure but yeah it's interesting isn't it this whole like north-south divide bollocks that gets sold to everybody mm. but you know you've got post-industrial places in uh, in London in Wales in, in the north all yeah, over yeah. the country and all of those places have a lot in common, really, more than we're sort of like led to believe. I always think, like the, the people of those places, if they stopped like being told to hate each other, maybe they'd uh, they'd do do s- be able to do something about the, the, the general situation. I suppose so. I don't I don't get that much hate though. I don't really see it. No, that's true. I think I think the hate comes more from people, or not hate, but a kind of people who live in from from you know back from where I'm from. There's a bit more of a everyone thinks everything's London centric, and it is, I suppose, but. Yeah, I don't really hate it. Everything I really like is from Yorkshire, from roundabouts here, basically. Yeah, it's... I, I, I guess I do like living here, but I'm not really... I don't know if I could stay here forever. Right. Yeah, do you feel like a Londoner? Because we've met in Spark London. No. But I don't think very many people who come to Spark London are Londoners. No. You know? I think that's one of the great things about it, that it... It's a place where people come to tell stories from all over the world and all over yeah. the country because that's who that's who's in London. <laughs> you know, I don't feel like a Londoner. No. I think a lot of people do. I think a lot of people who come from um, sort of the provinces, if, for want of a better word, do kind of feel like it. I don't think I ever, I ever would do. I don't because because you, you're not going to be. You know, you're not going to be. I, I, you know, meeting people who come from. London, it's not all from around there. They're gonna, you're never gonna be quite like them. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I suppose you might want to know how I how I came to be down here. Or? Yeah, that's a good. That's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm always happy to go down any avenue that, that that comes up in the conversation. Yeah, how did you get here? I suppose, <laughs> like with most things in my life, I didn't really know what what better to do. I guess the thing I was wanting to do uh, growing up in Middlesbrough was was leave it <laughs> at some point. <laughs> My first kind of incursion into that was going to Uganda. It was meant to be Japan initially, but kind of, as you've seen today, plans change quite quickly. I basically went to Africa and spent all of my money. Came back well in debt and without a job um, with a fairly sort of serious case of food poisoning that lasted about a month and gave me some interesting sort of side effects, which, you know, got me a little bit down. Um, Not properly, but, like, you know, understandably, I think I wasn't too... Sort of good. So, in the end, I just having friends down here. I just basically got the train and came down, and that was it. I had about well, eight hundred quid. Did you? Yeah. So you didn't have a job lined up or anything? Nothing. I had no, nothing. I had beforehand. I'd worked in. I worked in a mental hospital. Uh, when I was out in Uganda, I was sort of for about four or five months. I was actually editing and writing for a website. It was just non-profit. I didn't get paid for it or anything like that. So, yeah, I kind of came back and ended up working in a bar and, well, well, between signing on and working at a bar. Yeah, and that was basically it. So I just came down here with absolutely no idea what I was going to do. Yeah, just managed I did to... a similar thing. Where did you come from? Uh, well, we were living in Lancaster after university where we went uh, oh, yeah. there. And then it was just like there's no art scene in mm. Lancaster. That's what I want to do. So it was like 
we got to move to a big city. We nearly moved to Edinburgh, yeah. but that fell through, and I got family here, so uh, it meant I could like come That's with nice, nothing, yeah. live there like as a lodger until I found my feet, and then and then yeah. move out. And, yeah. So I was, a, I came here with nothing, but with a bit more. Like at least I knew there was a place that I, I could. It's there. I could stay. Yeah. I had places to stay. I mean, that wasn't. I wouldn't put it beyond that. I had uh, yeah, yeah. one of my, a couple of friends from university lived there. So that's what I ended up doing and sleeping on their sofa. Uh, originally for two weeks, and that ended up being five months. And yeah, ended up going out with the girl who lived next door, which worked out kind of quite well. Not that it was that was the reason, but it, <laughs> it was. Um, I, I, you kind of wonder how things work out sometimes because there was a lot of things that could have could have went wrong. And ended up the, the friend who put me onto this place in Uganda when Japan fell through. She ended up basically getting me a job. The second question I ask to everybody is, "What do you do now?" Is the mm. is the second question. What do you? What, what's the answer you give when you ask that? I work in a community mental health, so it's kind of um, it's not many people seem to be as aware of it. everyone. You know, like I used to work in the mental hospital, people are quite aware of what what kind of you know. When you say that, it's like, oh, that's interesting, but. Um, they, they think they know what that is. But they th- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's probably why I, I went into it, sort of fell into that line of work anyway, just because you don't... You th- it's one of those things that you isn't in public life and you don't see it. Right. You see the sort of... Everyone sees people walking down the streets talking to themselves or doing whatever, begging for money, but kind of getting inside the hospital was, was something... It was everything that... It, some of the things that you would expect to see you saw in there yeah. but it was a completely different world as well but it's, it was very um, it's very depressing you know any institution is uh, especially ones like prison and hospital are, are not nice places to work sure yeah I, I mean, mean I've got some I've got some experience of going like to visit oh yeah. a friend in mental uh, institutions yeah sure. and yeah it's, it's not the same but that's that's why you know you're right. It's not the same as people think, as well as the fact that you will see some of the cliches. Yeah. That said, I'm not like an expert or anything. No, and no. The, the first place I visited my friend in was uh, actually a, a ward in a hospital yeah. that was for addicts and mentally ill people. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. that didn't go down. Like, I think there was a lot of like the the addicts didn't like the, in, the you know being with people who they considered to be mad, and the mad people didn't. Cons- like being yeah. with addicts, right? Because they've both got uh, prejudice against each yes, other. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. It's but it crosses over quite a lot. Yeah, of course it crosses over. I mean, yeah, yeah. if you're doing heroin, for... and it's the same drugs, right? A lot of the time, they, they, you, yeah. you give to people, so it makes sense to put them in the same ward in that in that respect. Yeah, completely. Yeah, I mean, well, the ward I worked in was was really it, it was it was like you know any bums on seats basically. That's what you used to say. Because we had, it was a, ostensibly a rehab ward, so you, you were, you're supposed to be getting people back into the community, you know, and I'm, I work in the community now. We also had a ministry defence contract, which means we got a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder. Right, right. So, I mean, that's an even bigger kind of divide. That's massive. Yeah, yeah. you've got uh, soldiers who are coming in, completely opposite end of the spectrum from most people who have been in the mental health system for that long, you know, and they're kind of there with people who... And, and, and it wasn't just recovery, it was acute admissions which means people who are having a breakdown this one place sure. to go. And for the most part, it was um, long-stay, sort of institutionalised people. So people who, on first look, you would think, are really quite, you know, unwell, as they'd say. Yeah, they were, they were kind, of, kind of quite stable. And then 
yeah, we also had drug and alcohol detoxes. They just did them there as well. Right. So you had this kind of massive ward. It was kind of open as well. I mean, it wasn't hard to get out from. Yeah, with all these sort of people mixed in them. It's quite quite an interesting sort of mix basically right and now so you now you're working in the community though so you're in the, the next step step yeah. after that right yeah it's 24 hour supported sort of uh community mental health so so basically you when you when you are released or you know what um, when you're a care team basically either release you or you can be on a sort of section where if it's a kind of criminal section whereby you release in the community but you're deemed in need of sort of a high level of care 24 hour support that's where I work so it's a, it's a hostel or that's what they used to call them it's actually more like sort of self-contained flats right uh, with an office it's like a halfway house is the, the idea right exactly yeah that's basically it. it it works a lot better it's a very very imperfect system but in fact it's a, it's not a very good system in general um, on the whole but it's, it's the better sort of end of it really because yeah. it's more kind of more disciplinary but I don't know if I want to do it forever well yeah, yeah. sure I've, I've done it for two and a half years so that's kind of the longest I've done any job but yeah it's, 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 it's pretty good but yeah where to now I'm not really sure there's a, there's a lot of life left so uh... know, it's going pretty fast <laughs> it does go fast 30. you are right but yeah um, but yeah it's a uh, it's a funny thing as well though because you can't really again it's not something you can kind of go into in much detail yeah you know? right and well, and, and with good reason right yeah of course and yeah. I mean I always think that's a, 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 quite a burden in a way I mean obviously you, you know yeah to, to have other people's secrets and not be able to talk about them is a kind of responsibility but it's also a kind of t- complicated place to be I yeah. guess sometimes especially when you know things that amaze you happen I mean because it's you're experiencing life on the edge of something and people whose minds work in very interesting ways but yeah you can't obviously in some ways you can't really discuss it um, just discuss it completely in the open no. and yeah so you can talk about it in vague terms I mean even yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's, it's an unfortunate kind of thing no that's really. fine fair enough but yeah you went to Uganda in between mm-hmm. and you wanted to go to Japan I mean why did you want to go so far from it Middlesbrough they're, they're quite very they're different cultures very different cultures yeah from... just a face to read when I was a kid maybe that's it I mean I, I never I've never hated where I've come from I've just found it very there's nothing there you know they, like you said there's no arts there there's there, there is some arts and culture but not really so kind of growing up reading like H. Uh, H Ryder Haggard and stuff like that and people used to and Conrad you know people would go and explore the world that kind of thing so I wanted to go somewhere that was as far away as possible culturally and geographically uh, than where I was from. And I actually ended up going to, well, originally it was Japan. I probably would have worked. I was meant to go with one of our good friends. He, he's still a really good mate of mine, but at the time he was kind of, he was drinking a bit too much. Uh, so the original plan was to go to Japan uh, to go to teaching English. I even did the TEFL course. You know, I wanted someone to go with because I knew it would be that completely different to everything that I'd, I, I, I'd experienced here. I was also aware that Japan was quite a strict police state. And yeah, he used to do this thing where he'd go, he'd go drinking, you know, we'd, we'd have a bottle, of, he'd have a bottle of brandy before he left the house. Um, and he looked fine, he'd walk up, he's like a little fella like my height, and he'd look fine. Uh, and he'd go to the bar, there'd be a few of us out, and he couldn't come back and they wouldn't serve him. 
so I'd go and try and get him a drink and then they wouldn't serve me and he, he was, must have been saying these awful things he'd leave the bar to go for a cigarette and couldn't come back in and it all kind of came to a bit of a head we went, uh, we went to stay in a friend's caravan we used to just go there and just you know well basically drink and just have a bit of fun and he started drinking his bottle of brandy on the sort of on the way to this caravan and we got there and you had to go it was near Whitby in between Whitby and Scarborough now I don't know if you've ever been out in Whitby or Scarborough but it's possibly the worst place in the world to go out it's really <laughs> lovely for a couple of pints if you want to go for some fish and chips have a nice time ride on a donkey it's great but um, yeah to, after sort of 10.30 it's horrendous and anyway that was the only option we had so we were ringing a taxi and this just, he just ended up poking me in the eyes for no reason we were in this little tiny in the top of the <laughs> top of the um, campsite this little phone box and yeah, he just ended up jabbing me in the eyes like a couple of times and I've never ever you know I don't get angry very easily at all yeah but your eye sockets yeah exactly like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what he thought it was funny and it just ended up in this sort of uh, bottom style kind of Jocko Brothers fight two little men just sort of swinging at each other I, I, I felt really we both felt really bad about it afterwards but it ended with him knocking me over a chair I mean it was literally like <laughs> it was Christ. about the size of this he knocked me over a chair in one deft move I managed to grab his jumper and pull it over his head it's when our other friend came in yeah he was there with his sort of yeah jumper over his head and I had my like legs in the air sort of about. <laughs> Jesus. and at that point I thought hmm is this, is this such a good idea I don't know uh, so I was kind of like back to sort of square one again and that's when Uganda came in I had a friend who'd been the one who actually got me the first job when I came to London and she'd been to this sort of place in western Uganda so I, I kind of booked a flight within a month and a half and a lot of my family were saying you know that's you need to sort everything out first and I'm like no I need a deadline and I've got a deadline <laughs> then I can kind of uh, get everything sorted out it was a bit rushed I can understand that I can understand your your logic yeah I can also understand where your family are coming from as well yeah yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but they, they don't know how I, how I kind of work. If I'm, given, if I'm not given a deadline, I'll procrastinate until I, you know, I kind of don't, don't do anything. Right. I, yeah. So you went over to Uganda. Had you, had you prepped, like, very much? Or is it just, like, on the fly when you got there, you worked out what you were going to do? Psychologically, or in doing, in going where I was going, I'd got my Brad's guide... I got my jabs, I managed to get them. I'd got, yeah, I'd been, it was sort of just after Christmas, so I'd got everything, a lot of expensive Bear grill style survival <laughs> stuff that I've got, a little lock knife and, you know, special shoes and all these sort of silly little things. But psychologically, absolutely not. I've got, <laughs> I've got this talent of, you know, and it worries me for things in later life, of kind of a big thing. Everyone goes, you're scared. I was on the plane and I was absolutely fine. I was just kind of enjoying, yeah, Emirates food and... You know, whatever film was on, thinking, oh, this is nice. You know, as if I was kind of going to, I don't know, like Barcelona for a nice weekend with a couple of friends. And it was only kind of when I stepped out in Entebbe and it's a completely different world. You know, that was like, oh my God, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> Clutching onto my bag. Yeah, I got ripped off within the first, yeah, day. Well, no, uh, I stayed in Entebbe, which is quite quiet and nice. Uh, and then... I got a lift from the, the hostel owner. I was a, it was actually a quite a guest house. And uh, as soon as we got into Kampala, which is the capital city, then I kind of fully realised that I was in this... You know, unless you've been to a sort of third world, for want of a better word, city, you don't realise how it's really vibrant and exciting. 
but at the same time if you've been in somewhere organised and structured like this it's terrifying it's absolutely terrifying so I thought right I better get my um, get my cards my bank cards and put them safe and in doing so I went to put them on the inside pocket of my coat rather, uh, of, of my well I had a little pocket in there rather than keep it in the side pocket I managed to drop them in the taxi uh, so I lost all my means for money within Jesus. the first day then I went to the bus missed the first bus got shown where to go to the bus park and yeah basically was kind of I was thirsty by this time holding all my worldly belongings so the guy who showed me to the bus said you know do you want some water so I gave him three pounds and never saw him again and then got on the got on the bus and ended up sort of like driving to Kabali where I ended up staying so you lost your stuff but you you you, you held it together basically yeah and then you, you so you, did you have a job already before you went there? Or? It wasn't. It was a voluntary job. Right. Oh, before I, you mean yeah, one no, sorted no, out? Yeah, one sorted out when yeah. you got to Uganda. Yeah. I suppose I was quite prepared because yeah, I did sort that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't. They were like uh, it's run by this um, Slovenian guy. It's not like uh, it wasn't like um, doing Peace Corps or uh, VSO. Right. He was definitely sort of labour poor with with experienced kind of foreign uh, volunteers when I came so I just sent them an email and they said yeah you can do this I had no experience in writing other than the stuff I'd done or like sort of website editing so that was all sorted out by the time I got there it was quite an interesting experience in itself I was kind of glad I was glad I did that because you know people who go to East Africa as well especially they go and they go to Tanzania and they go help out in a school you know or they build sort of which you know which is a great thing to do but they build houses for people they build school buildings you know and they've done the world a good job saved the world and off back they come and I don't know I just kind of didn't want to do that it's quite an interesting thing to go to Uganda to do design websites that you can do basically anywhere in the world yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you basically you went well it was content to, yeah, it, yeah, right. yeah was, but you could have but, done yeah. that from the UK right and said it's like yeah it's, you know, it's, it's quite a good uh, it's quite a good deal it was, yeah it was it was interesting <laughs> I mean, and it's interesting doing it, especially when you consider the power cuts they've got. The first time working on Macs, actually. I'd never worked on Macs before. And um, it's very dusty. So you're sort of sitting there typing. And I learned to type on chairs like this because when you were grounding... That's cross-legged, yeah, yeah. Grounding the, um, with the metal keyboard, when you were grounding the charge, you used to get electric shocks from the, from the pad. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Power cuts as well. They had a little thing that stopped the, the battery that gave you about an hour or so power. So, yeah, when everything kind of cut out, You'd have about five minutes to save your stuff and like get get everything sorted out. Yeah, that, that was an interesting experience. And ended up making two very amateurish videos for them, sort of promoting stuff, which I really enjoyed. It's kind of like being given the the you know paint kit and the potato prints and <laughs> let, let loose. But yeah, um, I mean it, it, yeah, it, it sounds kind of trite when you go when you talk about it though that it was a life-changing experience but it was it was everything was just extreme I mean the the strange thing was you know before I'd gone I'd gotten into this habit I was working in a, a, a fairly mindless job even though it was interesting you know being a sort of support worker in a mental hospital the, the, the terrible thing is the female units where I did my overtime were the, were the kind of uh, the, more, the most active so you spend a good portion of your day kind of wrestling with women you know like doing doing the control restraint stuff which really doesn't give you a kind of good sense of job satisfaction right. and going out uh, maybe drinking too much just because it was it's a small town and there's nothing to do 
I then went to this dusty little town where, you know, the main sort of pastimes were people going out and getting drunk every night. Right. So it was it was very different, but it was it was kind of quite there was a lot of similarities as well. Right. And and it, it's such a beautiful place. They call it the Switzerland of of Africa. It's got these terraced sort of hills, and I had no idea before you know before I started looking into it. Kind of like a, a more crude Nepal. Right. You know, in Nepal, it's very sort of structured, but you know, overawed by the beauty of it by the time you got there. But after sort of five months, I was saying to somebody, everything just looks green. You know, <laughs> you kind of get very accustomed to it very quickly. Right. I've heard you tell some stories about like some of that time. I think. Yeah. Uh, on on the Spark stage, some of them were quite extreme. Like I think like the most extreme ones, the dog one, right? Yeah, yeah, that one didn't. Yeah, that yeah, that is one that doesn't. I I generally tell that to people I know, so I kind of tell that on stage, and it, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about, which is there, there was two sides to living there. There was this mundanity, day to day mundanity right. of of kind of there'd been very little to do you did your work there was the people there so we got to know them and then yeah these things would happen well every now and then something would happen that would just you, you wouldn't happen here you know every, everything else takes care of it so the, the, the dog was one one of them you know I was basically at that point running this running most of the media not doing a very good job of it but um, everyone else had kind of left so I used to go to these managers meetings you know, there was the school, there was the crafts thing that they sorted out, and there was sort of the media, and they did tours as well, eco-tourism. So we all have come and have these meetings. And um, where the school was, so I was down in the village, it was a place of Kabali, and up by this Lake Bunyoni, which is, which is one of the most stunning lakes I've ever seen, uh, there was this little commune, and the volunteers for the school went there, and sort of other people. But basically, it got to a point where one of the main topics were these two three dogs three dogs one was sort of semi-wild the volunteers had taken in over the years and kind of fed the volunteers only got meat like once a week so there's this problem with the dogs that they would go off attacking other sort of farmers chickens and stuff like that right because they didn't have any meat to eat yeah they they weren't getting fed enough and they were underfed um additionally on top of that farmers twigged on you know this sort of european little european kind of commune that had set up so it was called uh you know that these dogs were there so they thought well they must have loads of money so they'd, they'd blame them for their chickens and stuff getting eaten and also kids would just throw rocks at them that's just basically what they did animals weren't treated very well there so there was this constant meeting about what was going to be done and eventually one of the managers the uh, a ugandan guy who's a slovenian ran the thing decided to take it upon himself they went round and round in circles uh, and one of them was one of the dogs there was Fred and there was the mother I forgot the mother's call but the mother was taken to the farm like something off you know we, we, we came up and said oh where's uh, such and such gone and she, she said uh, oh she's gone she's gone to have got home you know she's been she's taken to a nice farm we're like right no one no one around here has any dogs other than for hunting <laughs> you've got it shot haven't you basically so that was the kind of undertone there he'd obviously taken it upon himself to take care of Fred now instead of paying a, a you know someone to do it for him properly I think he'd just gone down to the chemist because you could buy anything over the counter and must have bought this dog you know some sort of dog poison but I, I didn't know this I just again we weren't told anything went to this meeting up by this commune you come down there's a beautiful river and I'm confronted by this salivating dog you know there was no one else there 
So, you know, I immediately presumed one of my biggest fears, rabies, and sort of ran screaming back up these uh, steps going, ah, the dog's got rabies. And the, two of the Austrian volunteers basically said to me, no, that's not what's happened, he's been poisoned. And I got really, really annoyed about it. Um, and sort of went back down and was looking at this dog, Fred. Uh, when I felt the first time I came up there, he sort of came up to me and put his head on my lap. And he had these sort of crazy blue eyes. I think he was half inbred as well. I think it was his brother who sort yeah, of... So but, is this... know, it's a bit different for dogs. Oh, yeah, I know, but just, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not judging him. <laughs> it doesn't justify what happened, but yeah. Uh, but no, he, um, yeah, basically, uh, it, um, I, I came back and decided I, I had to do something about it. And I was just thinking, why is everyone leaving this dog there? But... Uh, that apparently in their culture they can't look at a dog die. So I just basically picked up this, they were building a kiln and I picked up this sort of brick. I mean, I've never killed, I've never killed a hamster before, let alone a dog. So I didn't know what to do. And yeah, just basically looked at Fred and you know, kind of said, I'm really sorry. I lifted up the brick and put it down on his head, but it's a soft clay brick. And apparently dog's heads are quite sort of hard. So he just kind of like looked over and looked at me like, really follow me. Why did you do that? I was like, oh no, it's just, oh. you just realise you've kind of fractured a dog's skull and there's nothing else you can do. So I, anyway, I did that about another eight times and by this point I was fairly hysterical, like upset. Uh, and the, all the other um, paid guys, all the Ugandan guys were, were in fits of laughter up at the top. It was, you know, it's a real kind of mismatch of what's going on. Um, but by the end of it, you know, I'd, I'd used this soft brick and sort of fretted basically. It, it was horrible. It was, you know, he was in a bit of a mess. And I looked to all, you know, intensive purposes that he was, he was dead. Went back up and had this meeting and I just basically, we were there for an hour and I berated them and just said, you know, if this is, if this is your solution to this problem, you know, come and, you know, I'll, I'll do it. You know, get, bring me a gun or something, I'll shoot it. You can't do this to an animal. Right. After an hour, I went back down, and there he is looking better than ever, but with this sort of big bloody hole in his head. He's just looking at me like, all right. Kind of a little bit wary, a little bit sad, but I was just, oh, God, what the hell? This was absolutely horrible. And so I thought, well, I, you, you, this is, well, this dog is not in a good way now. I think you've kind of got to finish this off. It's been poisoned it's and been then hit, repeatedly hit with a brick. With a yeah. brick over the head. Yeah, this, this attempt in a mercy killing. This is possibly the worst mercy killing in the history of mercy killings. And it was at this point I looked behind this commune building and I saw, and I'm really glad someone found something else because I saw a, a pickaxe and a, and, a, and a trowel. Oh, Ended up Jesus. getting the pickaxe and going, going out. Going like this, and it was at this point you're like, oh, I was just like, sort of really manic scene, sort of crying, going ah. Um, and as I lifted it up, Agri, who was the the guy who ran the area, ran the commune itself, started screaming, no, 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 no. Now he didn't care about the dog; he was bothered about his nice polished concrete floor, which I was obviously gonna kind of well damage damage yeah. yeah and I was not prepared to do that but they found this sort of staff it looked like a walking staff just on the floor so uh, the worst thing was just prior to this uh, it's also worth bearing in mind that it's kind of a uh, the lake is a or the commune is a uh, kind of boarding point for the school children who go to secondary school but yeah I'd uh, heard this bell 
and yeah anyway sort of brought the staff down on the dog and then really wanted to make sure that I'd done it um, so kind of grabbed the stick and its head had fallen in between two vases so you had to kind of smash it down with the stick and it was only when I kind of looked up again sort of very hysterical that I saw eight probably seven-year-old children staring at me like this you know covered in blood going no children no and they ran screaming up the hill probably never want to see a white man again in their life so yeah that was it that's possibly a useful uh, <laughs> useful thing that you've given them um yeah i mean the thing about that is it's like for me it's like it's like when you told it on stage it was like i mean the the room was horrified right because any violence <laughs> any violence to dogs like quite reasonably yeah, like yeah, yeah. It, 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 a lot of people have had dogs it's kind of yeah. like it, 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 and I, I i you know i had a dog growing up mm. so it's pretty horrible but like what what it is is like you were trying to do the right thing of like failing like help this this animal to die more quickly and more pleasantly but in fact ended up like traumatizing some children and yeah. like and horrific yeah and yourself <laughs> that was the yeah that's the worst thing about it was like you know as you were going through it on stage it was like you could see like more and more like no it's got this ordeal has got to end soon for him but no you got you yeah, it's, it's not and you're like and then i had to do it again and everyone's like no yeah. every time but for me it's like you got up that day you weren't expecting to spend a, no. a massive amount of your day trying to kill a dog no that's it that's what that's what happened that was the that was the great thing well and the horrible thing about about living over there that stuff like that just happened it was kind of yeah you wouldn't think that today i'm going to kill a dog you know and not just in a in a you know nice put it to sleep way a bit of chloroform around the mouth no like it was like the terminator it was disgusting yeah but um it happened all the time there's all sorts of things um yeah, I mean, I nearly got, I nearly got killed. I nearly got beaten up by a lot of motorcycle drivers outside Kampala. That was, that was one over, over a dispute over sixty pence. It all kind of becomes magnified over there because you don't have any. The, the justice that you get is, or you know, doing things right is, you know, basically whatever you do. Not, not always, but you have to. If you want to go to the police, you have to pay the police off. It works both ways, you know, if you're found doing something you're supposed to be doing. We had people, uh, I had a friend of mine smoking weed, you know, something, and, and the police caught me, thought he was going to get taken to prison, and he ended up paying him, basically, well, it, it, the uh, situation was diffused when the officer in question, who'd handcuffed one of the guys and was berating the other one, bent over, uh, and a joint popped out of his pocket. So, so, so at that point, at that point, they kind of knew they were home free. But yeah, the bribe was uh, 300 shillings, which was it? It was either a pound or three pounds that they paid him, uh, and they go away. I mean, you know, if, if you kind of try to give three pounds to someone here, you'd probably get a, a fairly. Yeah, I, w- I, I definitely wouldn't advise uh, listeners if if they're caught smoking weed in this country to uh, <laughs> try and give three pounds to the, to the police officer in, no. in, in question. That would be a mistake. And it would be interesting to see what did happen. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try that as an experiment. Right. It's yeah, worked it's, in Africa. I, I, don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's an experiment I'd like to, uh, I'd like to go through. Yeah, I mean, and, and I guess it... I mean, that's what life... That's why it's life-changing, right? Because it's completely different... Oh, yeah. ...culture that you're in. The rules are all completely different and you have a kind yeah. of... 
where you know a different way of things going and then you come back here yeah. and I guess that gives you new perspectives on here and like more perspectives on what might be happening in other places and away from here at the same time so I guess yeah yeah completely yeah that's it and yeah your own moral compass really that's that's the sort of thing it wasn't there wasn't any justice there you know it was just it was a very it, it was straight justice a lot of the time and a justice to the community in individual communities things could be you know kind of sorted out um but yeah, street street justice was quite was quite uh, was quite brutal as well. And I, I nearly saw that once. I mean, in a in a taxi car, you get these sort of uh, little Honda minivans, a fourteen person taxi car. Uh, and there was a girl I was seeing. I was sort of driving. We were going from one city or town to another. I forget which. But the the car was full. There was a bike strapped to the front. And you get this. There's these two sort of motorcycle drivers in front and what what the customer to do again like little things you'd find rude here so overtaking people you have to you generally supposed to honk your horn it's actually quite a good idea out there because it's letting you know that they're there but this guy was just overtaken as normal and these two guys driving tandem uh, basically in front of him and they just the, the driver of the motorcycle in front can't drive at all so you've got the, we're, we're, we're in this 14 person sort of minicab and as he goes to overtake him, moves out around the right-hand side of the motorcycle driver. The motorcycle driver hears a noise but doesn't hear the usual beep to alert him. So he turns to look around, but he's, he's, he's that bad a driver. As he turns, he turns the bike in, into the car. And I just, we just saw these guys smash into the... First of all, I thought I was going to die. Luckily, we were in the back. But, you know, I think the bike that was strapped to the front took most of the impact, bicycle, of the motorcycle. But the motorcycle disappeared. And as we turned around, all you could see were these two sort of guys sliding on the bottoms on the floor. And it was a fairly remote, like a little village. Right? And here's the weird thing. So the driver of our van just slows down to see if they're OK, to see if his door was completely knackered, to see if, to see if the, um, the taxi was fine. And the two men were sort of sliding along the floor. And I thought, well, they've got to be really badly injured or dead. But weirdly enough... They got up, dusted themselves, locked up a bit annoyed, and then it was kind of like uh, sort of dawn of well, some sort of zombie film or something. Because basically, people were working, and then they sort of dropped their like trowels, and you know the fellas started jogging slowly, and then people started coming from the hills. Only maybe about eight or ten of them, and all the while this driver was sort of slowing down, and everyone in the van was screaming at him in the local language. So I, knew, I knew exactly what they were saying. They were saying, "Don't stop! Don't stop! Go!" And you know, by the time he'd sort of set off, there was there was a group of about sort of fourteen, well, maybe eight to fourteen strong, running after it. And after they got to the car, they'd have just dragged him out and they'd have probably beaten him to death, even though he was in the right, you know. But by the same level of the coin, if you ever get in any trouble, that's the kind of sort of justice you get. It's it's. Yeah, but because the police aren't there, so they they don't know. They didn't know that you know what had ex- exactly had happened, but it was sort of you know it, it, it's it's comforting on some level when you when you're out there, you know that people aren't just going to like the area. You know, if you fall down and have a heart attack or something, people are going to come and look after you. But on another level, when it goes wrong like that, it's quite right. Okay, you yeah, quite yeah. appreciate having a sort of nice system that deals with things <clears throat> that means yeah you don't get beaten to death because of a car uh, accident yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. or badly injured <clears throat> yeah 
Okay, that was another one. Yeah, and I don't know. Yeah, this is the problem. When you start with it, there was a, there was a couple of things that happened that were like whoa, and yeah, that that was definitely one of them. So, yeah, there was a, 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 a colleague of mine as well, uh, Ugandan. Well, she was working in the hostel where I was doing the sort of thing. She uh, she got pregnant and nearly died, and yeah, nothing was. I'm getting the feeling it's a bit negative. <laughs> you kind of focus on the thing, on the on the bad things that happen, and it makes it sound like a a sort of a terrible place. It wasn't. It's a great place. It was full of life and everything that was it was sort of happening. I guess just in my own mind, I kind of sort of straight towards negative kind of. Well, there's more drama in them. Yeah. It's, there's, it's, there's not much drama in a yeah. I had a really good day. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's really nice and some child show me some oranges. Lovely wow. day. Extreme wind all of a sudden. That's a bit of a. Yeah. I think it's going to stop. Hopefully. I mean. Yeah, there we go. It's not as bad as it was. So. A wind yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you're right. We're getting a bit into negative stories I in think Uganda. I am, yeah, yeah. But I mean, so uh, let's go to a different place in your life then. What about, like, what was childhood like for you? Uh, yeah, it was very happy, really. It was all. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, childhood, early childhood. It was just um, yeah. I grew up. I grew up in two sort of cul-de-sacs. Very kind of um, quiet sort of upbringing. Two teachers uh, for parents. So that you know kind of gives you a well. You know, it's good on the summer holidays. It's good because you get to go away and spend all your time. You get the freedom of being a child, basically. Sort of a a, a very rough. It's quite a rough town, but yeah, quite a nice upbringing and good friends. But I, th- I think it's kind of grounded me in a lot of ways, uh, being from there. Um, but you know, yeah. Again, I'm not too good at happy memories. This is the problem. <laughs> I'm, just thinking, I'm just thinking of. You don't have so. to pick out happy memories. I think I don't. I don't think people are that that bothered if if they don't hear happy memories it's not fun is it there's nothing well I don't know it can be fun but you have to kind of <laughs> set a scene for it you, you got you got a lot more it's much harder to write a happy story than a than a sad story I find it? Yeah, is it yeah yeah now there's um you know came from a very close family but I guess grow, growing up where I did you got a lot of I don't know if you get I don't know if you get it so much in London. People complain about crime down here, but every, all crime I've ever had um, committed towards me down here is people just wanting to take things. Like that's a difference that I noticed. I'm not sure if it's a difference between being a kind of a, going up from being 14 to about 19, uh, where I did. Maybe if I grew up to be 14 or 19 here, I would have the same sort of experience. But um, back at home, seeing when people wanted to, wanted to, you know do wrong against me it was to it was just to beat you up <laughs> to kind of like you know like it was more sort of violent stuff people starting fights and things like that right. um, whereas here everything I've had I've just been kind of robbed not like robbed physically but I've had bikes stolen yeah. I've had wallets stolen things like that which is nicer I think you know I agree not with that, you not that crime it's is nice it's, a, it's an unusual thing to say but I absolutely yeah. agree with you like you can understand why people are doing it when they're when they're robbing from you because yeah. they haven't got money or they want to make money or whatever. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't feel that personal, right? Because it's like 
yeah, they're, they're, they're taking an opportunity to steal some stuff. Yeah. Whereas if they're attacking you physically, that is like both personal and they it's hard to see what they get out of it apart from yeah. hurting you. Yeah. It's it's yeah. I, actually, I was telling someone about this. The other, well, yeah, the, the other day, like I, I got um, sort of growing up, I got a lot of um. I suppose I suppose I wasn't. I'm not really into conflict, and that's the thing. So when you when you grow up in uh, in primary schools, you know I've always been better kind of talking talking my way out of conflict, but you couldn't do that in sort of primary school. Um, uh, you know, I, I remember people going up to you going, uh, oh, I, 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 haven't, "I haven't had a fight with you yet." I'm like, "Well, yeah, that's good, isn't it? Um, that's very nice." Well, I want to know who's the hardest. Or doesn't really matter. No, I want to find out who's the hardest. We're going to have a fight. You can be the hardest, that's fine. I'm okay with that. <laughs> and, you know, you, you have to go in the playground and, and have a fight. And we had a gravel playground in my right. primary school, you know. Again, I mean, I don't know if that was what put me off fighting. Maybe I'd love fighting. if, uh, But fighting in a gravel playground is not good. I mean, that's... No, that's, I know what you mean. You know. I, 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 part of my childhood was growing up in Coventry. Uh, oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, people used, we used to have, like, stone fights down by the like the, I can't remember what it was called it was like a, it was a gravel pit yeah and people used to go down there and just like yeah let's go and have a stone fight let's or just throw in yeah, oh. throwing stones oh, at wow. each other right it was uh, an interesting uh, recreational choice that, that yeah. my friends were making I, I went down there like once I didn't go back really? <laughs> I didn't did. like didn't get hurt much or anything but I seen how it would have gone yeah like, how it could go we did have apple tree. We had an apple tree in our garden. That was quite a good one. Not a stone fight as such, but um, it's this. Yeah, it must be the house. So it must have been about eleven or twelve. We moved into. Um, I went from one cul-de-sac to a slightly ni- nicer cul-de-sac in Middlesbrough, <laughs> down the road from Middlesbrough's only Grade One listed building. Should you know? Uh, um, and we had a little apple tree in the back, but it wasn't. You know, definitely not like throwing stones, but uh, having this big sort of Bramley apple tree. Uh, and we did used to play a game where you get a you get a cleaver. I, I, well, we got a cleaver, right? And my mate would be in the tree and you'd just throw apples, and you'd kind of have to do this thing where you'd like, you know, split them in two, basically. That's nice. You see, I like that. That's nice. Uh, yeah. Much nicer than like throwing stones delivery to hurt people. That's just like, yeah, throw the apple, I slice it in two. Yeah, that's I like that as a game. Yeah. I mean, potentially it's dangerous, but at the same time, it's not. Like, it's not malicious well no yeah and I suppose it improves your sort of reactions and your guile basically yeah, so yeah. danger you know it's kind of a Mr Maggie kind of danger yeah. next time you'll be quicker with that right player. and I think there's a place for a bit of danger in childhood and I think that's that's something I had in, in certain parts of my childhood in Coventry think, yeah. yeah and in North Wales as well in, like, oh, right. when I was in the countryside I was just like running through tr- climbing trees all of that stuff I think that's yeah. that's pretty healthy actually that kind of danger I'm not too keen on the kind of danger that you're talking about like with people attacking you that's not no that's not the yeah. kind, I don't think that's very beneficial yeah. for your life when you move from apples to rocks that's generally <laughs> where the things start going pear shaped isn't it yeah. there's a lot of fruit pudding going on here but yeah we, another one we did actually, um, I had the, uh, oh, well, yeah, this is one I probably should tell, but never mind, I'm going to say it anyway. I think I'm old enough, I can tell this now. But my, actually, I don't think any of my family even know this, but one of my first purchases was when I was, uh, and this isn't going to make me any better, but um, <laughs> uh, 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 it was, it was uh, uh, the first two things I bought when I got my job, my first job, which wasn't the mental hospital, it was working at Spa in Tellsby, which right. was an interesting job. And that's where I first encountered heroin addicts. Uh, trying to steal everything from soap, from meat to Guinness, from and other sort of alcohol from the store. But yeah, 
first two things I got was a, a pair of decks, which I've still got, which were terrible, bought from cash converters, and have, you know, given up using about eight years ago, and uh, a, t- uh, a little air rifle uh, from Bob Dunley's, but it was, yeah, both on the kind of goading of my friend, uh, you should get that, so I did. Uh, but we did we did come up with quite a fun game with the air rifle, which was pretty dangerous, but kind of great fun, uh, which was kind of clear banana shooting. So you go in the garden, you get a banana, and you toss it up in the air and try and kind of, you know, you got one, one of you go pull. It's really hard to do, but I happened to get it right one time, and this banana just explodes all everywhere. It was, like, covered in banana. But, yeah, that was... Um, and that was an interesting kind of time but um, yeah dangerous things you did when you were a kid for sure it was yeah not a bad time climbing trees yeah driving I think that was the worst thing once once we'd learned to drive once I'd learned to drive very safe driver now but yeah for the first three years completely kind of irresponsible yeah I, I nearly uh well, I wrote, I, I wrote my mother's car off, um, yeah, and that was that was pretty much the stupidest thing. Again, again, it was the same friend who I nearly went to Japan with, the same one who got me to buy the air rifle and the decks. So, yeah, maybe there's a bit of a pattern emerging here, but I basically was, was driving, used to go drive to the sort of seaside nearby, and he was telling me I'd take corners too slowly and it was raining. So I took this roundabout at about 50 miles an hour. And it's interesting that they say about how you how you react to it, sort of skid or react in a, in a situation, because a lot of people just kind of do it naturally. They sort of write it out. Uh, but I didn't. I locked the wheel round fully and hit this hit this curb. And then there was a there was a lamppost right there. He was sat without his seatbelt on. We must have missed it by about a foot or something. I know even that was probably, yeah, literally about a foot, and it went way past it. So I mean, yeah, you look back at sort of things things I did back then. I've just started thinking about this recently, and, and maybe I have kind of settled down a little bit. Like there's a lot, a lot sort of safer things I do now. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I think we have a different relationship with uh, danger when you're a teenager, though. Like, um, your mind is still, like, pro- like, I think you actually have, like, physiologically a different relationship with risk and yeah. stuff like that. So, like, I think, yeah, I mean, when I think of what I used to do when I was a kid, there's no way I would try and do that sort of thing now. Like. Yeah. Risk is a different thing now, isn't it? You don't really understand the odds. Like you yeah. don't get, you don't really get what death or pain is particularly that much. I mean, you get it, but you don't really get it, and you don't care about it. And also, apparently, like also, you're quite set in. With, you're much more like socially aware as well. Like you, you yeah. care more about fitting in, so you're more likely to do stuff. Uh, yeah, that, just, you know. just to impress people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Right. It was well. It wasn't just for that. It was fun. No, no, no. It, and but, it, yeah, and it is fun as well. I'm not saying it's not. Yeah. yeah. But it, yeah, definitely that's a, it's a worrying thing though, isn't it? I think if you ever have children, you just think, yeah, from the age of like 16 to even maybe 20. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> sure. Like, stuff I did was pretty pretty stupid, fairly foolhardy. But um, yeah, risk risk these days is something different, you know, it's kind of, it's buying a pair of Cuban heel boots maybe or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's that. 
oh that looks nice then you get it and you go you realise that yeah a five foot seven man can't wear four inch heels without looking like Tom Cruise or some sort of I don't know just own it that's my, that's my attitude with these things if you want to I mean there's no reason to own it if it doesn't suit you how tall are you though? Uh, 5'10 I five think 5'10 no, 11 it's different no it, it, there's a certain height you can get yeah, it, it, it looked ridiculous yeah no I had to send the mic back <laughs> it was it's certainly not it's certainly not on the same level as uh, car crashes and uh, and, and, fire, and air rifles really yeah death yeah <laughs> yeah right <laughs> Yeah, he's been, he's been, um, you know, part of growing up is about, is about learning that, and I, I don't know if, if it's the same attitude that ev- a lot of people have here, or if kids in in the UK have around, but it's that sort of idea of what is what it is to be, to be sort of brave or to be, to save face or to can you know to get like doing a lot of the things, a lot of the even a lot of the scrapes I got with got into. Uh, in Uganda were from were, were based upon maybe not immature but I, I, I'm not sure if I'd still be the same still be as kind of pig headed about things as I was then part of growing up sort of learning that you just best avoiding conflict doesn't doesn't matter if someone's taking a mick you know if you can if you can get them back with your mouth then do that but if you're going to enter into kind of like a yeah some sort of dispute that's going to get you into a lot of trouble yeah, it's best avoiding. But that that that's that's what tended used to happen a lot when I you know when I was younger, where I'd I'd get annoyed, and it's it comes from feeling kind of powerless, really, not powerless, but you know you feel in inferior, right? So you have to you feel you have to prove on or that people are seeing you in that way, um, and growing up you just kind of stop caring about it. You know, definitely the past four years ago, there's been just stop really caring what people think about you not that you don't care what people think about you you know if I've been a complete arsehole I wouldn't want you know I wouldn't want people to think that and if I think they're right I'll do it but you don't you don't change yourself to impress someone else or to kind of right. like fit in with their worldview basically um, but I think a lot of a lot of the kind of antagonism I had from being younger was well what was from other people being the same way you know, feeling that they had to kind of assert their authority, and yeah, going up. It, it might be a kind of a sort of that. When you think, maybe it's supposed to think of like you think of like lion cubs and stuff, don't it? They play a lot, and could be, and, could and be kind of. I don't know, but that, that was a. I mean, it could, it could be, or it could be like there's so many things it could be. I mean, it could be a cultural thing, like where like the older you get, the less bound you are by like the idea of hierarchy and like who's better yeah. and all of that shit like uh, you kind of get to a point where you can see that people are doing it different like living life in loads of different ways and you don't have to like yeah. feel you're judged for like that's I think that's a lot of it like when you're in conflict situations where you're like one of you you sort of feel like you're I don't know you're trying to to be yourself like more forcefully at them because you feel like you're under attack do you yeah. know what I mean whereas you get to a point where you're just like fuck it I can be myself and yeah. I don't have to do it at anybody yeah. it doesn't really matter and people stop attacking you for it you right know? right that's, you know, that's the weird thing isn't that's it that's very true you know when people go you know oh yeah oh you know you're such a such you just go yeah I am yeah and it, it kind of yeah it kind of sort of diffuses the situation but yeah I never I never really understood it I never really understood why 
like people feel the need to kind of antagonise other people. But I used to get really, really annoyed about it. Really, really annoyed. Just, yeah. Just, yeah, I, and, and I think I used to have a... It's strange that I don't have a temper anymore because I, really, I had a really bad temper for a long while. Not like, not that I would, you know... Just a just a, a short fuse, I think. Yeah, that would be it. We, you said like you weren't violent, but you were angry. Yeah, yeah. Just just a low tolerance for people. I hate I hated that, and I still do that kind of. When you're walking on the street and someone just wants to, you know, I, I, I suppose I don't see it very much anymore. But I used to get it quite a lot. We used to, I used to go to college, even used to have to walk down this cut, uh, and on about oh, four different occasions, I had people try and. Like take my watch, try and you know push you into the stream. You just got got absolutely, you know, got crazy about it. On one occasion, I even got um, I got, and I must have been about 18, 17, 18, and I got attacked. Well, I, I was with three of two other guys, um, and there were six other lads um, over the road, uh, and they had. They were, I mean, they must have been about a year younger and they were all wearing like white tracksuits. They were far too old to be kind of wearing that kind of garb. Uh, and drinking uh, Bella Lambrusco or Cherry Lambrini, I forget which. But, um, yeah, they, it doesn't really happen that much anymore. Yeah, or it doesn't happen here, maybe, um, at my age. They just come across the road and they go, oh, we want to, you know, we want to just antagonise you, basically. And one of them was like a good friend of mine's neighbour and he basically was asking me for cigarettes and I didn't, I didn't smoke at that point in time so I told him yeah well, you know I don't have any and another guy another guy from the group basically he looked like Butterbean this sort of kind of fleshy ball you know he wasn't he wasn't someone that would intimidate you either that was the thing it was just there was just six of them and he ended up the, actually the two of the lads were called Dave so he ended yeah, up so- Popular name. Popular name, isn't it? Yeah, lots of names. But um, yeah, he ended up punching one of them on the back of the head. Um, and then I saw him punch the other one on the back of the head, and, I, and the entire exchange, uh, this guy, had, my na- my best friend's neighbour, who I'd actually seen and, and, you know, I'd been out for a drink with him. Not that I knew him well, but, you know, like we'd had a, we'd yeah, had a conversation. Yeah, uh, and I knew his name. And. Yeah, he was just getting in my face, getting in my face. And then there's this little speck of maturity. So I was like, I'll, uh, I just thought I'll, uh, I'll, I even remember thinking, like, I'll be, you know, just be the bigger man here. Walk away from the situation. And yeah, I'd, I'd um, basically walked around him and kind of like walked on down the road. Um, and yeah, as, as I was walking along, I just felt this fist going on the back of my head like that. And it was, yeah, Mr Butterbean had, had hit me in the back of the head. Really soft. It was a very fleshy punch, as you imagine, from a man of his kind of gait. And, um, yeah, I carried on walking and did the old count of ten. And even thought, you're fine. So I thought, counting the ten, one, two, three. And by the time I got the ten, I, I just exploded. <laughs> uh, but the, the odd thing is, it's funny how kind of things happen and coincidences happen. Like, you know, I didn't really get into that many scrapes if you look at of it. but I'd, uh, before we'd been for a drink and again this isn't very mature I'd um, uh, a few weeks pr- prior to this I'd had another one of my uh, impulsive purchases this time not goaded on by anyone and I bought a 
bought like this uh, BB gun, this Smith and Weston BB gun. Okay. Um, which was just a piece of plastic. Sure. But it did look quite convincing in the dark uh, on a straight. And and you know before we gone for this drink, I'd actually been uh, um, I'd, I'd been out at the duck pond. There's Duck Island in the middle of the duck pond, and you know I went for a drink with the two guys, and it was just like, hey, look at this. And I happen to have it on me, uh, and. It wasn't something I carried around all the time. It just happened that it was there in his coat pocket at this one particular time. Um, it would have been a stupid thing to carry around with you. Um, so, yeah, as I sort of exploded in rage, I, I kind of turned and run towards him. And remember, this thing was sort of here. And then <laughs> ended up pulling it out. Now, uh, you know, it's not... This isn't sort of uh, Queens or New York run like this. Right, uh, right. It's not even London. Right. right, and it, you know, imagine it's still fairly unusual in London, but uh, yeah, in Middlesbrough, it's, it's pretty much unheard of that anyone's going to pull out a, a kind of Smith and Wesson <laughs> semi-automatic rifle. So it was the last thing that they'd expect to see at this particular point in time. Oh uh, yeah, and I'm embarrassed to say I didn't even, you know, hold it like that. It was sort of sideways, kind of gangster style, just trotting towards them, you know, and all that kind of rationality that I tried to show had gone. And in my head, there was this display of like, yeah, you're not laughing so much now. But yeah, it was only as I was trotting towards them, and they were all stood there, that I kind of realised that uh, it was um, it was basically not such a good idea because this thing fired little plastic pellets, little yellow ones. You know, so I was like, not that I was going to use it anyway, but you know, the, the question comes to mind: what exactly are you thinking? Yeah, yeah. if you do fire it, yeah. you're just going to annoy them more. You annoy them more, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So um, uh, yeah. Basically, I ended up. I just. I, I mean, I was. I was absolutely um, furious. So I, I ended up just kind of like just going for one of them, and um, I ended up getting. Uh, you know, it, it was kind of fine for about I reckon three seconds. Isn't it strange how adrenaline works? But um, after that, uh, they all just started punching me because I was just one of the lads, and uh, it was kind of like a sort of surge of only pan the fist. I still quite remember it quite clearly. You know, you just one goes in, and you're like, "Oh, this isn't good." So I, I kind of turned, turned the pan, and just six fists coming at you by this fairly main road. And then the final one was this, uh, this kind of uh, uh, this Bella Lambrusca bo- bottle hit on the head. Did it smash or did it? No, because it's That's the, what it kind of it's, even, the, it's worse in a way if it doesn't smash because it's like yeah, yeah, I know the one you mean, right? Yeah. It's the jagged end. It, it didn't make that. It wasn't that long. It just made a little sort of indent oh. along there. It came down across the head and yeah, knocked me out. It's the only time I've been knocked out. Basically, as I sort of turned and realised it was going. I mean, you can get you can get knocked out apparently where you, if your jaw goes. You know, you, you see boxers do it and your their leg goes, but this was more like tunnel vision. So I kind of staggered across the road didn't get hit by a car which was pretty lucky and again you know kind of another near instance of death and uh, the, the tall guy who I happened to have been or I just happened to pick at random to hit in, in pure fury I mean I've never been so angry in my life he could come over and try to grab my legs and he I fell and he must have as I sort of passed out he fell with me woke myself up by hitting the pavement and he was holding my leg so I had to kind of kick him off uh, and then blacked out. And the next thing I can remember is running, laughing, just completely concussed, uh, down the street, and there was a police car. Uh, sort of says to me, uh, you, you all right there, son? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've just fallen over, I've just fallen over. 
And it was only when I got home I realised I looked like uh, Carrie. Just this oh, coat shit, covered gone, in yeah, blood. completely oh. covered in blood. Uh, my mother was kind of having a go at me, going, what the hell were you thinking of doing? I, you know, I was like, yeah, everything's fine, it's great. Um, I got away, and it was only in the morning. <laughs> only in the morning when I beat my cornflakes, I couldn't even move. I was just like, oh, what, what the hell was I thinking? Yeah, the first and only time I've ever done anything this stupid is that. And yeah, there was this ball bearing gun, which again got uh, got kind of confiscated. Quite recently, Basically, yeah. yeah. I, I, I must have put it somewhere. My dad had kind of like, yeah, confiscated it. Again, I, yeah. But it's that, quite funny though that like, because like, you know, in an American film, it'd be like a proper gun and it'd be like a big thing. But like in this, in this, in this story, it's like a bull bear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Stupid things to buy, but I guess buying silly things like that was, was pretty, pretty stupid. But, but the strange thing was, he took it, so he, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd done it, my dad took it, and he always, you know, he'd, he'd give me a lecture about how these things are dangerous. You know, he said, I know it's only a little toy, I know it can't do any damage, but tell me this story about how someone had gone out and with a sort of gun, a pretend gun, and uh, basically had got, um, yeah, the police had shot him down because right. they thought it was a real It one. definitely, yeah, it happens. Yeah, it happens all the time, but he always came out with this story, and then... Yeah, so he took it and disposed of it. As if anything he didn't like that he found of mine, he'd, he'd sort of pick up and take it away. My mother was always inclined to give me a lecture, make me feel guilty and give it back to me again. But it was only kind of, you know, these things always come up. It's always my mum who's, who tends to bring them up, you know, around the dinner table. She'd sit there and go, well, that BB gun you had, it was quite, uh, it was quite strong, wasn't it? It's quite hard. Yeah, quite a lot. Well, how the hell did you know? Well, well before your father threw it away, he, uh, I was getting ready for work and he thought he'd uh, cast it out my back. <laughs> Pulls it from behind the pillow and just shoots from the back. So <laughs> <just, laughs> you wonder where you get it from. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, there was a lot of things being taken off me as a kid. And, um, well, it seems like the right things were taken off you to a certain extent. It is, it is in some, in some levels. There's, there's the two ways you're dealing with it, isn't it? Taking it off you and throwing it in the bin or kind of like making you feel really bad about it. Well, you, you can know. do both. Yeah, I suppose you could do <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. Yeah, so uh, the last question that I ask people is, uh, do you have anything to plug? To plug? Yeah. What, you mean like anything I'm working you, on? Or? You can take it any way you like, really. Sometimes people give me like big like manifestos. Uh, oh. Manifestos? <laughs> you know, like their, their opinion on the world or what people should do or whatever. Yeah, sometimes people so. say like a link to a <laughs> to their band, whatever. No, it's it's all good with me. I haven't got anything really. That's the thing. I don't really know what um, view on the world similar. But I don't have any manifesto. I'm definitely not. Yeah, that's probably a, a mis uh, a misleading word. I don't think anyone who's ever given a plug would like me calling it a manifesto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a, a, a lecture on things. No, I'm not. I don't really create anything that I actually. No, not really. That's the thing. Oh, uh, I, yeah. I should though, but no. Nothing, nothing at all, unfortunately. It's kind of a funny thing talking about. About your life, because it's just such a, it's just a see. I mean, that's the kind of thing with the storytelling, isn't it? It's just a sort of series of, and I suppose that's what you kind of gravitate to if you're talking about it, because you can kind of see it along a line of of different events that have happened, which I think is more interesting. 
hard to, it's hard to kind of talk about it in, in relation to your own life. But you know, and if I dogs, yeah, kind of appropriate. What dogs? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I suppose the only thing I'd say would be, um, uh, yeah, I've, uh, I'm acutely aware that I've just talked about the, the things that have generally got laughs, uh, either in bars or in spark storytelling, or horrific looks. Um, but yeah, they are quite extreme, so it might make, might make me look like some sort of... Um, gun toting uh, animal hurter, which, which I'm not which you're not yeah but um, yeah so I'm just kind of drifting like through life aimlessly <laughs> fair enough it's, uh, I doodle I could plug one of my doodles I don't really show people them though. I'm not particularly good the dogs are good that's alright <laughs> we are French bulldog, isn't it? That little dog is like... It's really, doesn't it, isn't it? It's really not letting go like, of, of messing with a bigger dog. He is, no, he isn't, is he? It's, yeah. it's like me, Napoleon complex. <laughs> so you do doodles? Oh, I do, yeah. But Does that mean art? Is that like your... No, no, actual doodles. Yeah, no, yeah. no, that was just a joke. I do doodles. No, I, don't, this, um, I, I wrote... I did write... Actually, I forgot that. When I came back, I wrote... Um, I wrote a first draft of a novel. It was terrible, um, and never showed it to anyone. So, yeah, I saw this little. There was a little. Uh, someone had put one of these little Facebook things up that said, "Art is there's like no, there's crippling, crippling self-doubt and narcissism, and in the middle there's art." So I guess I guess there's right. too much sort of crippling self-doubt going on. Right. So, right. More of a ca- Kafka that used to do that apparently he used to like write stuff and just burn all of it. So half the stuff you read of is you don't. But I'm nowhere near as good as that or, or anything. You know, it's just I don't even get that stage yet. I don't think I just kind of wouldn't do anything about it. Well, I mean, there's like I said earlier on, there is still a lot of life left. So there's a lot of life to to occupy. I know it feels like when you uh, like I'm 32, so you're you're coming up to 30. It feels like we're like old now. But, yeah, that's it. But it, we aren't, because right, my dad's ninety, so he's ninety. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No way. Yeah. So we had you when he was fifty-eight. Fifty. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> so good innings as well. Wow. Sure. That's impressive. Um, so yeah, I mean, apart from the proviso, like we should, like, you, like you say, like because we're having a conversation, we're going through the more dramatic instances. Yeah, that's life, it. Yeah. The majority of your life isn't these dramatic no, instances. No, no, no. So, yeah. There's a lot of drinking tea, um, <laughs> yeah, looking at looking at Wikipedia on, on the internet, um, kind of staring at walls, uh, <laughs> that kind of thing. But I, I quite enjoy. Um, <laughs> that's it, really. I need to do less of that, I suppose, and more. I should give myself something to plug. Yeah. What do people usually plug like that? Any, uh, it, there's so many different things people plug. It's, it's, you know, there's no, there's no usual. Yeah. I mean, if they if they make stuff, then it'll probably be that. Sometimes they don't want to promote their own their, the stuff they make. Yeah. Uh, some which is always strange, um, and people mm. often like plug. I don't know. Worldview type stuff like being nice to people or something. I don't know. Yeah. Did you do that? <laughs> But yeah, 
Don't hit dogs with sticks. Don't that's, hit dogs that's with sticks. That's a, that's a good... Unless they've been... Well, yeah. I get that dear methods of doing it, but it's, you know... Yeah. Um, it was the right... It was the right thing to try it and do. It was the right thing you to do. You didn't do it right, but it was the right thing. completely wrong, yeah. Um, it was... It was, it was botched up. Yeah, completely. So, you, yeah, maybe I could write a book on that or something. That would, that would definitely sell well, wouldn't it? Like, <laughs> methods, you know. Methods Animal and methods dog. of humane killing, yeah. Yeah, well, it would sell. <laughs> Fly uh, off that. Yeah, I would be... I would, yeah, I would be worried about the people who would buy it. So <laughs> the last thing I ask my guests to do uh, is to say goodbye to the audience. Goodbye, audience. Um, yeah, thank you for listening for the, the ramblings of uh, May. But it's been nice. Yeah, it's been nice weather. Nice weather. Uh, there's been, appropriately enough, there's been dogs. I'm sensing the dog thing. Yeah, it's the dog episode. The dog, yeah, the dog episode. <laughs> that's, what, that's what you came here to hear. Cool. Well, thanks yeah. very much. And uh, goodbye, everybody. Right, bye. So as I mentioned at the beginning, I think that what we've just heard chimes with a lot of the stuff that I've been doing and talking about and hearing back from around my show, What About The Men? Uh, you can find the website for the survey that I mentioned at the beginning at www.mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk. Another thing that I do is I host and produce the show Stand Up Tragedy. And one of those is coming up very soon on the 6th of June at the Hackney Attic. And it's Tragic Summer, a seasonal sprinkling of tragedy to keep you warm on a cold summer night. And also currently going out on the Stand Up Tragedy podcast are the episodes from Tragic Spring. And it was such an amazing gig. Those podcasts are really, really quality. I recommend going and listening to them if the last Sun of Tragedy is anything to go on you should definitely come to Tragic Summer on the 6th of June you can follow Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast you can like it on Facebook subscribe to it pretty much anywhere that podcasts go to hang out with each other on the internet or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk and remember there are lots of ways to get better acquainted